Well, I think that's something to explore. I'll repeat the question. So I was uh, giving the example of the um, uh, experiment they were doing with people shopping and that the kind of peak happiness moment was with a credit card. And the question is, um, when you're queuing up for lunch here, where is that peak excitement uh, happening? So I think it's something to explore for ourselves, but it also doesn't necessarily matter so much. I would say, in the analogy to that experience... Um, okay. Am I shouting? Okay. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. It may be the moment when we're walking off with our plate. I'm, I'm, I'm one, I don't know what the exact analogy would be, but we already have the food. I think explore for yourself and see, yeah? Just have that interest. We don't need those senses to see, but it's about the release of the craving. So it may, you know, if, if we're looking for, yeah, what would be the exact analogy? Um, yeah, it's a slightly different situation, as you said, but um, yeah, maybe when we're picking up the plate before it's got food on it. Hmm. Well... Yeah, that's, that's, that's what that experiment showed. And I think what we're interested in here is that the this, this sense of when, when the craving is diminished, yeah? When the craving is diminished, when that uh, goes down. Yeah. So I, I'll just add something to that just before we open to another question. I'd say something that we can explore, and so I talked a little bit yesterday about the co-arising of the thirsting, demanding with the dukkha and also with the sense of self. You know, the self that has to do that demanding has to get that thing. With a plate of food, I think there is something really insightful to check in with here, which is that we're all scooping out of the same pot. But it's somewhere between ladle and plate, it becomes my food. And if someone comes along and takes a spoon out of that, they'll be in real trouble. Look, what are you doing? <laughs> same food, somewhere it becomes mine. And I think that might be an interesting moment in the happiness creation type of experience. It's like, no, it's mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just adding that in it might, might help us to find the happiness release. Okay. Do you want to repeat or should I? Uh, should I? Okay. So gratitude for the welcoming practice and feeling it obviously you know, has an impact but wondering about bringing it towards a person, particularly a person, but any kind of object, where there's uh, a lot more complexities there, and also there's some fear in that relationship and, and way of relating. And wanting to see, you know, are there any particular ways to work with welcoming that can kind of work and touch on that experience? Okay. You want to start? Should I, should I continue? Yeah. So, um, so something that Zara said when we were kind of working with the unpleasant, you know, don't go to the biggest one first, you know, and don't try and solve all of the, so um, let's see what kind of happens with the more neutral end of the unpleasant things and see, oh, that actually had really an effect. Um, I wonder what might be quite interesting to explore might be welcoming the fear, yeah, more than that person, and seeing what that does in terms of that might allow a little bit more welcoming and 
a sense of oh okay I can I can exist with a bit of fear as well you know it's not like, oh, that you know that's all getting in the way so something changes in that relationship with uh, the experience so kind of like two sides one try it out on the easier you know what we say like in like in the gym you know you kind of go in and see that really big heavy weird looking machine and think yeah I'll go on it's my first day but <laughs> you know I'll jump on there and see and have a go or would we just like to play out with the little little body weight stuff and really kind of get to know what it's like to lift to move to improve our technique to use that kind of gym thing it's like okay so I can move in there now yeah I'm learning that I understand how to do it and it's like okay well that's just come here it's right in front of me this person's right here do as much we can not going to get it perfect just try that there and then the other side is is there something in me that I can welcome is there something in this being that's arising there and it doesn't feel welcome and often kind of fear almost like by its definition we're afraid of fear fear comes I'm afraid of you and that welcoming of the fear is part of actually why metta practice was first offered and this is like a form of metta practice in a sense resonant with the meta feeling. Yeah. So I'll just add to that is is really the skillfulness of um, of uh, remembering uh, that this is a training. Yeah. That's that that word you know that's used in the tradition. I I actually used to not like it very much, but it's so useful. Yeah. It's a training. It's something we cultivate. We develop. We we get skilled at. So we we start with a. Uh, little weights and then we also uh, simplify as Nathan was saying so this may be a complex experience and instead of trying to welcome all of it or instead of welcoming trying to welcome the most difficult aspect of it we we we, we choose one and another step in that I've just reframed I've just reset what he said um, another aspect of it is um, sometimes we can work with that kind of situation um, internally first yeah, so you bring to mind, just like we would do in meta practice, yeah, you bring to mind a person or a situation that is challenging for you, and then you have in that space you can work, you're not being triggered by unexpected things necessarily, yeah, and then you work, you simplify that, okay, what happens if I then welcome the fear, yeah, in, in this place, what happens if I, uh, just welcome the physical expressions yeah of the other person what happens if i'm grounded in the body like you said or use the breath to to support so we're kind of learning different aspects of of the practice as we do this thank you yeah it's definitely relevant it's great another great question can we say anything about the difference between imagining and sensing or imagining and experiencing yeah. So um, I'll have a go first because <laughs> it's my turn. Um, so as you imagine, as I imagine. So it, 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 you're touching on something very core, cool, yeah. That we in in the exploration of our experience, which is actually where is the line, <laughs> yeah? Because perception, yeah, isn't neutral. It's not objective. It's always shaped uh, by uh, our intentions our views um, and our way of looking in the moment yeah and these are also conditioned by other things so we can use that yeah this is the really interesting thing we can use that um, 
in, in our practice. So something that people feel may be neutral, like paying attention to the breath. Actually, when we start exploring um, that, we, we're also using our imagination there, yeah, of where, where the breath is, yeah, to a great degree. Um, so, yeah, I would say, and, and we haven't said it yet, qu your questions are much better to stay with than our answers, okay? So these kind of, you know, all these questions that you've been asking over the days, they have much more value, they're much more precious than, than our response. And don't just be satisfied with what we say as an answer. And this one is classic for that. Stay with that exploration. Yeah? And so, you know, at we, we, we shape our experience all the time. Yeah? Well, we imagine it, <laughs> we shape it yeah? all the time through our perception. And so we're... Um, they will we might imagine that we're welcoming. Yeah? We might use an image to get to the feeling, to sense welcoming. Yeah? So it might be like, a, you know, we didn't, I didn't say it, but we might have a sense of ah, opening the door to welcome the unpleasant or the, or the pleasant or the neutral. Yeah? And, uh, and that image supports the sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, and then that will impact the experience. So that's part of of what's so fascinating. Um, yeah, I don't know if I just confused or if that's been helpful. Um, no. Your turn. My turn to repeat the question? Yeah. So, um, enjoyed the meditation today with that feeling of welcoming and, and getting some benefit from that. And particularly um, through a lens of looking at the dependent arising nature of phenomena, um, feeling the unpleasantness of tension in the tendons of the body and working with this welcoming as a way of opening, releasing, spa getting more spacious around that. Wondering if there's something we can say around that moment of labeling, classifying something as an unpleasant Vedana. Is that right? So, let's see, um, we've only touched very lightly on the, the links of dependent origination, but we've spoken quite a lot about, well, upon what does this depend? And um, those who know the kind of the map, the link of dependent origination, I'll just say something relevant to that, you know, it's like there are 12 links. And there's one place where Vedana is labelled as happening, which is in the place where Zara said it happens. Yeah, which is there's contact, there's Vedana, yeah, and then there's this demanding that happens because the demanding depends on taking that Vedana as fact. But actually, as soon as there's demanding, demanding has a Vedana, right? So Vedana is also there, and then dukkha. Well, dukkha is unpleasant, right? So that has a Vedana. It's like Vedana's all over the place. At what point did it first arise? Subliminally, beneath the, the liminous, the boundary of consciousness. Right? Otherwise, why did we pay attention to it in the first place? There was some drive, some movement, some urge. Yeah. So I don't know, because it's subliminal beneath the levels of normal consciousness, well, we can lift subliminal things into the, into the liminous, the, the consciousness experience, as we get subtler and subtler, it would be very, very subtle and refined mind that notice that first glimmerings of coming into Vedana. So if we're kind of looking backwards from 
you know, pain in the tendons going backwards. I don't think we'll necessarily find the first glimmerings in that moment. But the interesting thing and the framework as it's set out is like a bit like the Anicca. You know, so have I noticed all the refinements of, of Anicca that, that's actually happening here? If I keep going into this cloud mist of probability cloud of experience, and it's like all of that's just this glimmering. There. So do, do you need to go there to get free? from this thing that's oppressive and we're not seeing as a Nietzsche. So it's like, no, just this. <laughs> like, no, this must be an, like, inconstant, not lasting. Oh, like, oh, yeah, of course it is. And I look at it, um, open around it. Same thing with the Vedana that is currently labeled onto the thing itself. You can get relief there. Experience will keep getting subtler. Attention, staying with it, will also become more refined. And then there, but, oh, there's Vedanas down here as well. <laughs> And that is just a question of, is that a challenge or is that an opportunity for more places to release and open? So we keep opening at the level to which we perceive them. And that's all we need to keep doing, yeah. And then that will open more. We're just going to go through it in that way. So it's a, it's a great question, it's a leading question. But it kind of comes back down to the, the relevant uh, practice right now and the relief that we can get. I wish you well with your sore tendons. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so I'll pick. Yeah, I'm trying to kind of. People haven't asked much yet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So a question around uh, kind of similar theme uh, to the the kind of relationship or situations that are triggering, but actually around what was coming up was around the climate. Uh, emergency, the climate crisis, and the sense of no, I can't welcome that. You know, that's uh, y- you know, no. <laughs> um, and, uh, and the complexity. And the complexity again, and the multifaceted aspect of, of these situations. Yeah. So, so thank you. Uh, another, uh, yeah, it's always really wonderful questions here, and very important. Um, so it goes back. Uh, again, to something Nathan was saying yesterday a lot about the Anicca practice um, of seeing that, you know, this, whatever lens we're picking up, whatever practice we're picking up, um, we are not saying this is true or this is always true or this is what you should, this is how you should live your life in all situations all the time. What we're interested to see is what does this do to experience and what can we learn from that about how experience is perceived and shaped yeah so in no way is this a teaching about um you know accepting um or uh, even more condoning uh, harm yeah and the climate emergency is a situation of great harm yeah so there's no way that this is about accepting or condoning that um but we're picking up this lens to see how does that impact my experience and what can I learn from that what's the insight yeah what's the insight the insight is the experience is shaped by how I'm relating so if we go to something like that yeah how we relate to the um, you know the, 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 the you know the tragedy of what's happening yeah in our world right now and we look at that you know as I said it's a complex experience yeah. so if I know that what, you know, and I look at how is that impacting me already? Yeah, it's overwhelming me maybe. It makes me feel despair. I'm, I'm not saying you necessarily, but these are common responses. Yeah, I, I feel uh, 
helpless. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I feel angry. Yeah. I feel frustrated. You know, these are all feelings that we will have when we look at something like that. And so perhaps just like with a personal relationship, that the strong thing was fear, here, can I welcome these responses to that event or that process? Yeah. And welcome them uh, in order to resource myself, I would say. Yeah, so I'm bringing in a sense of because a lot of our energy is going towards that frustration or that anger or that sense of depletion. And so the question could be, is this practice, and it may or may not be, may or may not be a practice that's helpful in unblocking <laughs> some of the blocks that are actually um, kind of depleting our energy. Yeah. Does that make sense? So the question was um, just kind of... Uh, emphasizing, you know, giving an, a more specific example of just reading something in the news that's then causing that kind of distress um, and asking if what I was uh, pointing to is what can I learn from that experience. That can be one thing, but I would say here, welcoming, you know, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral uh, um, sensations in the body or sound, things that are less triggering for us, what can I learn from that, yeah? of what that welcoming does to the degree of dukkha in the experience. And in that particular example that you were giving, if you find that this is a useful practice for you in other ways, and you've built up this skill, like Nathan said, we need to build up the muscles, um, you could then bring it to the pain that you're feeling in that moment. Yeah? Because in that moment, the pain is overwhelming. And part of the reason why it's overwhelming sometimes, yeah, sometimes is because we're contracting around it, and so there's very little space, and the pain is there, and we feel overwhelmed. Yeah. If we welcome it, we allow it, we say, this is a natural response. Yeah. This is a natural response. It's allowed. Yeah. And we know that that allowing, this is sometimes where we get, that allowing, that welcoming, it's only one possibility, it's only one step. Yeah. It does not mean that I then accept and I kind of walk away yeah, and say, oh, well, take care of yourself. Yeah. That's not what we're saying, but it's like uh, that allowing then of the welcoming of the pain of the distress and, and saying, no, it's natural, I'm allowed. Because there will be some part of you probably, I don't know you, for most of us that's not allowing, that's saying, no, don't feel this. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense now? Thank you. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do rotating genders. <laughs> <laughs> Changing genders, yes, Steve. You know everyone's gender? Steve, you, you, sorry, I, I think I know people's names and sometimes I don't. <laughs> that was a question about self and are we going to talk more about what we mean by sense of self? And the answer was yes, we will. It's not stupid at all. Mm. Very beautiful. It's your turn to answer, but I guess it was asked of me. <laughs> so, unless you want to talk about my sister's children. <laughs> you know quite well. Okay. So, um, yeah, thanks for that. Great question. So, um, the question is kind of broadly uh, about, um, is, our, is what we're doing here, is that about 
um, things that we're doing in our meditation practice, is it applicable to our meditation practice or is it applicable also to daily life situations? And um, giving the example of just kind of the off-the-cuff story that came to me and I shared about <coughs> the appreciation for my nieces and nephews, um, does that actually change my relationship with them in the world or is just a, does that only impact my meditation practice? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's not at all a stupid question. It's a really, really valid, valuable question. Um, and I would say absolutely this is about how we are in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, completely, 100%. Um, I think that the confusing part may be that, you know, we, we need or it's helpful for most of us to do quite a lot of practice and to develop our understanding in the formal meditation. Yeah. But then bringing it into our life situation uh, is really fruitful. Yeah? Also for the practice, there's actually a cycle yeah, that goes between the two. Yeah? So here we're doing a form of practice and of teachings, which is a meditation retreat. We've stepped back from our daily life and we're immersing in the practices in this way. Yeah? In other forms of teaching that we might do, uh, and we'll talk about some of them tomorrow, it, th that movement will be much more uh, fluid yeah, through the day or through the practice. Um, if you ask specifically that example of, of, of uh, my nieces and nephews, you know, I was doing types of practices, both in my meta practice, but also other practices where their um, joy, uh, the love that I feel for them was a real resource yeah, for the practice. And then that gratitude that I could express to my brother and sister yeah, uh, was very meaningful for them. Yeah? So there it goes out from here to them because you know, how often are parents thanked <laughs> for being parents? You know, it doesn't happen a lot. And just that sense of, wow, you know, there's something you know, there. And it's a really interesting question about, you know, I, I, just, I feel like I, I love my nieces and nephews so much already. Um, uh, but certainly I would say my practice uh, has really supported me to be a really a meaningful and supportive person in their lives, yeah, very much. And they're, they're big now, so they're, some of them are in their 20s already, so that is something that becomes very apparent. Who do they go to when they need to voice something or um, want to hear another opinion or they need support, yeah. So very much, yeah, very much, uh, and we're very interested in this transference of the skills and the insights. And we'll, we will also be talking more about that um, aspect as well. Thank you for that. Yep, great. So um, working with sound and uh, Vedana of sound and picking a neutral sound, which happened to be the heating, um, which you'd already picked, and the interesting thing, and I would say I would classify as an insight, is that in paying attention to a neutral sound, it actually became pleasant. Okay, so the Vedna is added on, and it changed its coat from you know, neutral to, actually, you know what, unpleasant. And so we see mind creates Vedna in that way of relating to it, the way it's perceived, shifts. Um, so very, very helpful to understand, which also means all Vedanas are added on. So the second part of the question was to do with unpleasant sounds. 
you know, which feels like, well, they are inherently unpleasant, you know, a, a person speaking too loudly or... Um, mosquitoes. Know, yeah, mosquitoes and other things which are unpleasant. Traffic sounds can be really disturbing for us. Um, drilling into a wall can be a really hard thing to meditate with. Uh, for me, personally, uh, leaf blowers, you know, people like blowing leaves around, and it's just, you, use a broom. I mean, <laughs> really hard to kind of work in that field and keep the meta flowing, as you mentioned. So, and then you mentioned a number of things that you would try to do. Um, coming to the breath feels really difficult because attention's pulled back to the sounds. So that's distracting, pulling apart, you know, trying to put attention in one place, but biological urge to notice unpleasantness is really strong we're getting pulled around it can be very disturbing uh, bringing metta to oneself uh, in doing this practice in sitting in this environment in really just showing up and trying to do the practice really wise response yeah really wise to do it's like, oh, this is hard this is hard for me but I'm going to give it a go you know and really just owning and respecting that and actually maybe just a little bit admiring ourselves you know a little bit of healthy pride in, look, you know what, I'm meditating and <laughs> it's tough, <laughs> you know, I'm going to give it a go. And what's interesting there is, yeah, sure, we're not maybe going to drop into some, like, deepest of all samadhis because, you know, every so often the hammer hits the wall and, you know, someone yells out and it's like, but what are we actually building? What are we actually planting the seeds of? Things that the world needs, no doubt, patience, tolerance, calmness in the midst of chaos, yeah? And, you know, let's hope that these skills are not needed more and more, but they're already in, in short supply and well needed by the world that we live in today. So if that's what my meditation practice is, and talking about these transferable skills, yeah? Okay, so that's what I'm practicing. I'm practicing patience. I'm practicing coming back. I'm practicing not freaking out when there's a sound that's less pleasant than I would enjoy, you know? Or bathing this body, heart, mind in kindness through all this disruption. And I think what we'll notice is that what was firmly unpleasant may then just become, huh, the guy with the leaf blower's come out. <laughs> I can do meta practice today, you know? An appropriate response just arises and, it's, and it can be, ah, he's turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. what else is annoying around that I can listen to that I can start to develop and expand that capacity well-being comes from the way we relate not from the thing that's happening in the world yeah. Yeah, all of what that teaching about you know, getting the clothes off the hook kind of thing is about is it's not in the things happiness and unhappiness are not in things satisfaction and contentment are not in things. And this is why dukkha, being called unsatisfactory, is so skillful. So skillful. It's not satisfactory and it's not dissatisfactory. It is void, empty, cannot hold, contain satisfaction. No thing but the way that we relate can really open the heart, soften the uh, mind, yeah? ease the body, lessen contraction. And that's our exploration, yeah? And relying back to that first insight, what coat is that radiator wearing? And maybe it wants to put a different coat on. Because the way you relate brought it more pleasant.
keep relating that way and perhaps again it will disappear but maybe into ease this time to peace so yeah there's lots there yeah. really appreciate all of that I don't know if there were any more questions but it's five past eleven so just okay. want to make it possible for the, if anyone's wants we'll stay and answer some more questions but if anyone uh, wants to have some time for uh, quiet walking uh, then feel free to to go thank you. Uh, and thank you for your presence and your listening and then yeah, I'm not sure if there's any more questions but I was I thought there was there yes. was great so we'll stay yeah, I'll just repeat the question. So um, the question is around awareness slash energy body. Um, and first, well, one part, it's not the order you asked, but it, do, we mean, is it, do we mean energy body when we, when we use the word awareness? Um, yes. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that stretched awareness, yeah. Um, and then, so some days uh, that's quite accessible and there's easily a feeling of, of awareness. Um, and on other days, uh, and especially when um, either I'm trying too hard or there's a language that's being used, concepts that are being used that I don't really kind of resonate with, um, then it feels like a struggle and it feels like it's not accessible. Um, and wondering if, if, yeah, if part of it is trying too hard or imagining too much. Um, kind of in any any suggestions on how to um, tune into that. So, can I ask you a question back? Uh, on on at the times when when it is accessible and available, can you feel in yourself like how that happens, or where you feel it, and how? Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, so one thing uh, that maybe is going, ah, so, sorry, repeat. Yeah, so in the response to my question is uh, when there's more subtlety or there's a sense of more access and there are parts of the body that generally feel less accessible. Yeah. And so this may be part of the, an important piece of the puzzle that maybe uh, kind of when we talk about stretching the awareness, or filling up the whole body with awareness. I mean, this is the kind of language I'm very likely to use. There's a sense I need to bring it into these parts that I'm not, uh, I don't have access to. And then maybe then, then, then there's a sense of struggle. So I would emphasize, if you can, yeah, just the natural way of feeling the awareness. Yeah? Feeling that, exactly what you're saying, the subtlety, the sensitivity, um, the vibration yeah. of the energy body, all of that, uh, and and be really happy and content with what you can feel. Yeah, not you know we're talking about this bubble. I can't even remember if I've done it on this retreat or not. I may have a bubble, or, but you know it, bubble of awareness or a balloon of awareness or that egg shape Rob uses. Yeah, uh, don't force. Yeah, don't force that that you need to feel that in order to, to be in touch with the energy body, but actually just really rest into what you're feeling and have a sense of trust that that will grow uh, with time or not, yeah? But that you can do the work, you can do the play, you can do what needs to be done in that. 
So I think your um, sense is, is probably pretty precise. It's, it's when there's a sense of, too mu- of, of needing to, like a too narrow an idea of how this should be or how this should look, which comes when we give instructions, <laughs> which are general and not necessarily uh, exactly what each individual needs. Does that, does that respond? Yeah, so sometimes with the hearing of the instruction, there can be a, a reflex of contraction and also noticing there's other conditions so y- that, that may impact the accessibility. Absolutely. Yeah? It's a conditioned experience just like anything else. So it'll be impacted by various conditions. How tired you are, um, how busy you are, uh, the state of the mind, the state of the body, um, and then the in- instructions coming and the sense of, oh, I need to to fit into something or to be able to do something. Um, so I think part of something that was very obvious when you were speaking is the softening. Yeah, so I think working a lot with softening and opening the space that's available to you. And it may just be the palm of the hands. Yeah, you might just be feeling the palms of the hands and they feel good and you're just with that. Yeah, and you're softening and you'll let it open in its time. Something I would just uh, add to that, just come over. Um, you know that feeling you have when you can't connect to something like the energy body? Right? There's that kind of felt sense of something. So that's actually the energy body also, yeah. And so you can just say, oh, it's like this right now. You know? and, and that can just be helpful to remember. Yeah. And maybe just to add for people who are less familiar with this terminology, you know, uh, just that energy body is, is, is what we've been calling awareness, a space of awareness uh, on this retreat. It's just that, that kind of felt sense that we have of our experience on a level that's not just physical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I'll kind of give a, a brief summary um, that by uh, you know deepening experiences and this feeling of like dropping away of certain layers of what seemed like a fact about you know what i'm perceiving is kind of like oh there's actually something subtler in here it's it's becoming less uh um fixed less concrete less and 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 i was telling other people about this and this is how it is and now i'm thinking oh hang on can i actually say that because now i've seen a bit deeper and it's actually but it's not actually like that what we're playing with here, and this is where the use of the samudaya, the upon which does this perception depend, it depends on looking at it this way. So if we have a physiological, you know, the normal scientific materialist thing, and I would say, you know, when I experience fear, there is an increase in my heartbeat and, you know, my nervous system becomes very um, sensitive and, and, and alert, you know. And another thing could be, you know, I actually look at this slightly differently. And when, when there's, you know, something upon which I feel afraid, actually what's happening there is that the energy body is contracting. And we could actually say, well, they're both true, but they're just kind of true in different ways. And it depends how you're perceiving your experience. And, you know, if you just stretch out your awareness, why would the heartbeat slow down or the nervous system, you know, retract from its high alert system? It does. They depend upon each other, the subtlety and the obviousness. And so if I were explaining something, I would say you could sense or imagine that this is like this. Yeah. So you could sense or imagine your energy body releasing. Some will sense it, some will imagine it. But funnily enough, both tend to work. 
So perhaps it's a question of finding the language that has sufficient flexibility, but also clarity um, and precision, you know. Um, it has the flexibility, but it's also like, well, we are actually doing this thing, and we're participating in that. And when that happens, what happens? When, that, when you do that, what happens? You know, and so it's really, it's not like, um, you know, A plus B is going to equal C. It's like, if we have A and we add some B, what happens for you? You know, in our C's, they might be a bit different, but hopefully B is helpful, it's useful, it's appropriate, and then the kind of C that we each get will be slightly different depending on that layers of perception, how we're playing with that experience. Does that kind of... Yeah. So the, the, sen the, the question around, um, you know, things like anxiety that come up in the body, yeah, not just in thoughts or emotions, but actually, you know, saying waking up and that being the body's responding, it's triggered with, with anxiety. Um, and I think you're absolutely right, it's the appropriate response to that. It's not always the same thing. Yeah, so even when you were saying about the welcoming, if I'm just saying, yeah, it's a bodily thing, if I'm just saying you're welcome, let alone if it's that the right thing, it's not meeting where the experience is. Whereas if I maybe breathe and I say allow, yeah, give, that creates the space that I need. So noticing in different sets of conditions, you know, we're actually always looking for the same thing. We just have different methods to get there. <laughs> What's the appropriate one? What allows more space? Yeah? What allows non-rejection of experience? Non-rejection so that things can change because the rejection is actually keeping it in place. Yeah? We know that with fear, with anxiety, with all these emotions. You know, when we, when we fight, when there's a sense of rejection that's really strong, the struggle actually is part of what's feeding. Um, so yeah, so maybe the, the allowing, the breathing, you know, rather than saying to it, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lovely. Wonderful. So yeah, thank you everyone. Yeah, thank you, thank you.